RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, our podcast that's brought to you by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Joined in the first half by Chris Westcott. Later on, Amanda Stein will stop by for a little chat. She has an interview coming up with P.K. Subban. Action-packed and detail and information-oriented Kweski is today's podcast. And we start, though, with the Devils general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, who continued uh, to remake this Devils team as they look to the future, as he made a bunch of moves leading up to and at the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And it's let's be quite frank here, Matt. This is not where the Devils want to be. They do not want to be sellers at the deadline every year. It's a frustrating season. I know maybe amplified by the fact that this young roster got off to a nice start. We've talked about that before, Maddie. Um, but let's be realistic here. They're the youngest roster in the NHL. And you could say, well, look at the Rangers. They're in the midst of a playoff run. They've you know, had some good games against the Devils. But they have skilled veteran forwards that have finished. The Devils do not. Uh, and the Devils just let go of two veteran forwards at the trade deadline as well, given the circumstance and a contract situation, giving those guys a chance to go and try and win a cup. Uh, the difference is this, this roster doesn't have those pieces yet. They will get those pieces. Eventually we know that's going to happen. They cannot exist much longer without doing something like that. They have a great off season though, Maddie ahead of them. And we've talked about this a lot off camera, off podcast, They've got the expansion draft. They've got cap space. They now have an extra first-round pick. They've got a lot of assets coming up in this draft. And they're armed with knowledge about what they need. And I know that that sounds silly, but it's big. They have given their young guys an opportunity to showcase themselves. They know what they have in these young players. They now know they have a Diego Sharon Govich. They like what they have in Quokinen. They've seen an evolution from Jack Hughes. So they're armed with a little bit more knowledge going into this offseason than they were maybe going into last offseason or the season before that. No doubt. And as the season winds its way to a close, the evaluating and the judging by the coaching staff and the general manager will go on for this young group. They have been given an opportunity. It might not be the best of circumstances given their age and their inexperience on the national hockey league level, but this league doesn't care. Come to the table with something because we're trying to figure out here who's part of our solution and who needs to find work with another club at some point or on a different level. So that's all going into the process as we sat down and had a chance to speak with the Devils general manager, Tom Fitzgerald. 
Tom, uh, obviously you've already talked to the media a lot about trade deadline. We'll get to a couple more of those questions in just a moment. But first, I'd like to ask you overarchingly uh, this season, the growth that you've seen from the young players, the fight that you're getting from some of these young players on the roster. I know that obviously you'd like to be winning some more games, but you have to be encouraged by the play of some of these youngsters in a growth year. I sure am. You know, it, it is disheartening looking at the, the record and where we sit, um, but it doesn't feel that way uh, from a development standpoint. You look at the growth of some of these young kids and the steps they've taken this year and knowing they're going to take e even bigger steps moving forward as they mature physically and uh, with their confidence as well, um, emotionally, uh, it's just it's just a great thing to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think arguably we're in the toughest division in, in the NHL right now. And um, every night is a, is, a, is a battle. It's a war. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, being, you know, battle-tested like that is only going to pay dividends moving forward. Uh, we're in every single game. Um, we don't quit. We we get out scratching and clawing. We just uh, we just there's no there's no uh, there's no give in our in our game. Now we make mistakes, um, you know, in certain areas. Would we like to see certain areas of the game improve? Yeah, I mean we all can know exactly what parts of those uh, parts of the game that need to improve, and they will. Um, but I do think watching these young kids grow, mature, and you know, most importantly, I mean they're they're having fun around each other, and they know like this is a this could be a really good group moving forward. Um, because it's you know the individual success, the the, the time success that we've had. Um, but yeah, no one's happy about the record. Um, but that's the expectations of our team. We expect to win. When we play a game, we expect to win it. We're competitive. Um, but again, I, I've got to, you know, stay stay in the moment as well um, and not get ahead of where we are. Where we're at right now, I think we're in a really good spot um, to continue to grow and develop um, and, and take really the division, um, you know, take people are noticing who we are. That's for sure. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Fitzy. I, I want to circle back, though, to some of the moves that you made just from a general standpoint. Uh, one of the reasons that there was a Gusev, there was a Vatan, there was a Kulikov, and, of course, guys who were there previously, like Kyle and Travis, were to have some support for these younger players as they learn about the National Hockey League. Understand totally why those players were moved, under different circumstances, if the team sustained their early success, maybe not. But I understand, given where they're at, why they were moved. So not so much what the message is, but how do you balance, have those young players learn the lessons? Now we're bringing some younger guys up without that veteran support there around them. Well, it's a great question. And, you know, people could say I'm a hypocrite because I said it last year about surrounding these kids with men. But, you know, the one thing that happens, you know, in the maturation process of, of a locker room is the kids actually take a big step. You know, they take a big step in, in, in the locker room, you know, hearing their voices, being part of decision making, um, you know, watching those older guys, the way they prepare day in, day out. And that's contagious. You know, we see it. And that's why some of these kids are having success because of the way they're preparing and, you know, how they, they go about their job. Um, not just a game, it's a job for them. Um, and they're understanding that to, to play at the highest level, uh, to maximize your, your, your ability, um, you've got to treat it like a job. And you just can't throw the skates on, go out and play and think you're going to be successful like you used to when you were a peewee. Um, that's what those guys have done, those older guys. You know, they laid the ground groundwork for these kids to understand that this is this is a job um, 
it, there's a there's there's time and place to have fun, but when you prepare for a game, you prepare for game. You prepare for practice the same way. It's consistent, um, and I see that when I walk through the room. You know, there I'm watching guys do the same thing Travis would do to prepare. You know, so it it it's pay, it paid off. Um, they're like sponges. So um, yeah, it's hard not having you know certain guys, but again. This is where we're at, and um, I think you know this short year. You, you look at the growth of um, Pavel Zaka, for example. Like he's one of the older guys in the locker room right now, or most experienced. Well, he should be. He's been around for five years. Like you know, it's time to take the next step. Same with Bradder. Same with Severson. Like I don't need a 32-year-old to come in and, and help those guys and drag them along. I shouldn't, and I don't. They're starting to take over the room. So, and obviously having guys like PK. Um, and Ryan Murray around with experience. Uh, we still have enough experience. And I wanted to ask you a little, you kind of led into it a little bit, but uh, just the organization being rewarded by patience this season when you look at a guy like Mikey McLeod and you look like Pavel Zaka, who you just talked, uh, talked about there, just getting rewarded uh, for your patience with these prospects and that development, uh, is that an encouraging sign for you in terms of player development moving forward forward for this organization? And maybe does it shape the way you view some of the other prospects in your system? Well, I think it says a lot about those two individuals. Um, but with that being said, yeah, it's been a really productive year for Pav. Um, it's You look at the confidence Mike's bringing to the table and the way Lindy uses him in, in, in tougher matchups, tougher zone starts than uh, most centers, you know, especially now with Travicon. Um, with that being said, like, this is all great right now, um, but to do it day in, day out and be consistent year in, year out and become that pro and that person, player, that coaches and players, teammates can rely on day in, day out, that's the goal. Whatever they max out at potential-wise, but it's a do it day in, day out. That's what being a really good NHL player is all about. And both those players, you know, are, are finally, you're finally seeing some of the light um, at the end of the tunnel with them. But they still have, a lot, they still have some, some way to go, that's for sure. I think anyone who has watched this team, Tommy, has seen that growth and they would be lying to themselves and to others they spoke with if they didn't acknowledge that this team is moving forward. And we've seen the development of these young players. So we know the trades that have been made. We know some of the guys who've been called up recently. What might we see in the next month or so of the season? Uh, what is the what does the immediate future hold? I know you've addressed Alex Holtz perhaps coming over. What are you looking at? Well, I think we've had some really good uh, uh, progress with certain players' development down in the American League. Um, you know, being able to watch these guys uh you can watch them every day, actually, um, if you have the time. But watching them play when we're not playing and we're home and watching them play, it's it's, it's just uh, – it's been great. Um, but there's some y younger players that are actually exci really exciting to watch because you, you're not looking at them. What would they do tomorrow when they come up against the New York Rangers? It's like, okay, where is this kid going to be a year from now? Get them some games, get a taste of it, you know, make them hungry, go back down with confidence and, and watch his game continue to grow. Um, it's really exciting to see. And we have a couple more kids down there um, that you will see here at some point. Um, they've earned that, right? You know, that's part of the culture. Nothing's going to be given to anybody. Um, you've got to earn that. You know, I've always said, you know, you earn the chance to come up and play. You, you earn your chance to be in the lineup. Um, you, you need to take advantage of it. And most importantly, and I just touched on it with, with, with our young guys, you, got, you have to do it day in, day out. You have, to, you have to build sweat equity up with your coaching staff. So when you do have a bad game, because that's natural for a human, um, 
the coach will throw you right back out. And I think Lindsay, Lindy is, is that type of coach who, who believes in his kids and will allow them that, that, second, that second line, lifeline. Tom, I've got one more here for me. Um, the Devils seem poised to take advantage of a very unique offseason, obviously with the expansion draft. You have cap space, now a haul of draft picks as well as assets. You as general manager, how are you approaching just such a unique offseason as a unique opportunity to continue to build this roster in your vision? Well, cap space is great. You know, um, you just can't take it with you when the year is over. So you have to try to take advantage of it. Um, you don't have to spend all of it. Um, it's hard to spend all of it, actually. Uh, but what you try to do, because people aren't just giving players away, um, especially good players. So you have to be creative. But our goal is to continue to improve the roster uh, in areas where we need improvement on. Um, some, some areas where we think we should be uh, better uh, um, at. Um, weak, some of the weaker parts of the roster. We're going to continue to do that, but we're not just going to, you know, sell a farm and, and, and happen overnight and bang, here we are. It, there's, a, there's a process here. Um, like I said, we'll address the areas that we believe need improvement um, to, the, to the best of our ability, um, but more importantly, continue to develop some of our younger talent that maybe they can fill that spot. Um, but time will only tell. And this will be the last one from me then, Fitzy. So as you look at what you've been able to accomplish and with the players coming up, and I mean at or around the trade deadline, and the young players coming up, where is where is this step, these last weeks? Where does that place the Devils in their plan, their commitment to the future? I, I mean, I, I really don't see it being any different than the start of the year. You know, our goal was to not only be competitive, but to grow confidence um, that we can beat any team in this division. Um, things have to click. You know, you have to have power play goals at certain times. you got to kill off penalties at certain times. Big saves here and there, last-minute goal. Um, and I think the p progression of the, the overall uh, team up to this point has is we're going in the right direction. So the last whatever amount of games we have left, it, it doesn't change. You know, Lindy, Lindy's goal or he just demands um, we work hard in practice, we work hard off the ice. It could be game fifty six or game one. It doesn't matter. We treat it the same. We play the same. We have the same identity, um, and we you know, hopefully continue to. You know, try to put some wins on the board, but do it the right way. You know, not uh, not have a team walk all over us. I've said this before. We're not going to be a doormat, um, and and I know we're not. And for the last part of the season, the, the the objective is to continue to be competitive. Maybe maybe you know, throw a wrinkle in some of the, the playoff races with with some two points from us, and you know that would be great. Participate in Predict Your Picks, presented by Caesars Casino and Sportsbook. Devils fans can make predictions for every home and away game this season in this free-to-play contest for chances to win player-signed prizes every game. The more you play, the better your chance of winning our grand prize, which includes a VIP concert experience and Devils signed jersey. Make your predictions at NewJerseyDevils.com slash picks. Devils General Manager Tom Fitzgerald, and, and Chris, you mentioned it earlier, and I think Fitzy made it clear, this is not the finished product. Patience is hard to come by, but you've got to stick with the plan. That much is clear. There are no shortcuts to the top, as uh, we say often, that only results in middle class, and that's not what the devils want.
No, it's not. And and Maddie, I, mean, I think we need to recognize Devils fans are listening to this podcast. It is really hard to hear that over mm-hmm. and over again. I, I think we we recognize that. I think Tom Fitzgerald recognizes that. I think from top to down, ownership down recognizes that with the Devils. We've seen it. Um, but that's the case. The youngest roster in the NHL that doesn't have a lot of veteran pieces needs time to be tinkered with. Mm-hmm. I think, I think though, and I was talking with Ken Danico about this and I'll, and I'll keep it short, but I talked about Ken Danico with this about how, yes, they need those veteran pieces, but he could name about 10 guys on this roster that he really likes and thinks can contribute moving forward. And that is something that they haven't had before, especially in the system. The cupboard, as you have said before, was pretty bare. So they've got pieces. It's going to take time, big off season ahead. We'll see what happens. Indeed. Uh, we all anxiously await that day when it all comes together. Fitzy has said it will be a time Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer will tell him and the world when that moment is there, because those are the two leaders down the middle for the Devils. All right, let's bring in Amanda Stein, who spoke with a player who has really had a turnaround season this year. The introduction of P.K. Subban to the Devils fan base was... A little choppy, to say the least, last year, Amanda. But this year, I think he has found his stride. And I think he'd be the first one to admit that. In fact, in our conversation, he does talk a little bit about how last year was certainly difficult finding his footing um, figuratively and, you know, literally. Um, But he really, you know, he is now the old man in the locker room. I do call him an old man to his face, but then I also remind him that I'm a couple years older than him. So it's okay. I'm allowed to, um, but he really is. And he's taking on a completely new type of role and tapping into, you know, he's been around the league a long time and he's really tapping into, um, the experience that he's had with a lot of older players from his time, uh, whether it's Hal Gill, Andre Markov, uh, who we spent time with in Montreal, players like Scott Gomez, he'll bring up as well. So he's really, you know, reinventing himself as the leader on this team. And um, it was just really a pleasure for me to sit down with him and talk to him because I've known him for 13, 14 years, right? Since he got into the league. So to be sitting in front of him and having this conversation about the evolution of PK Subban, both on and off the ice, it, it was, I just found him really insightful and I really appreciated his honesty and his answers. You are someone who has constantly dipped into philanthropy. Talk to me about the first time you thought about, you know, how your career as an NHL player would allow you to give back in certain ways? Uh, Well, I started to do my part. um, And I say my part because really like giving back, I learned that from my family and um, my parents. uh, My dad was a a principal, still is one now for over 40 years. Uh, My mom had five kids, so that's all she's done her whole life is give back. Um, she's a very selfless person. And then I got my sisters that are both teachers. My sister's husband's a teacher. So, you know, I've grown up in a family that has donated their time um, to the community, to children. And uh, for me, you know, not being able to be a teacher, uh, a way for me to be able to give back has been my charity and my foundation. And the way that started was um, when I started my career, I couldn't really go home for Christmas. so. I'd go to the uh, Children's Hospital in Montreal uh, at Christmas time, give away gifts, um, do that thing. And then I sort of built a relationship with the hospital, 
had some personal experiences and, and wanted to make a bigger impact. And I started the PK Subban Foundation and PK's Helping Hand and Blue Line Buddies, and it's all been great. I was there, you know, for the launch of the PK Subban Atrium and all that, and that was a big moment. You still wear that pin on a regular basis. That, so why do you do that all these years later? Well, I think that just being removed now from Montreal in regards to the hospital, um, it's really important to continue to, you know, reiterate to the kids, the families, and to the people in Montreal that it's still important to me, even though I'm not in market. And, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be very difficult when I got traded, not being in market, to be able to do all the things that I wanted to do. Um, but the truth is, is um, the support that I've gotten from the community there, uh, from the province of Quebec, and really everybody in Canada has been, uh, has been really just mind-blowing. You know, the support has only grown over the years. It's continued to get better, and we, as a foundation, were able to do more because of it. So, um, you know, I think that when I got traded, I wasn't really sure how it was all going to play out, but it's played out great so far. So where did that connection come? You get traded to Nashville, yeah. and because philanthropy and all that is so embedded in you, um, how did Blue Line Buddies come, and why, why do that instead of connect and do a similar thing with a Nashville hospital? Well, just like the foundation, you know, and, it, you know, the foundation has kind of evolved over the years. Blue Line Buddies has evolved uh, as a program, and... You know, when I started the program, it was when I first got to Nashville, and uh, I wanted to do something in the community there, but it was an opportune time where I felt that there was so much controversy going on. It's my first time living in the United States, and one of my best friends, you know, my best friend is, uh, you know, an Irish guy who's a cop from Boston, played hockey as well, and a lot of people that know me that are very close to me know uh, the Chris O'Sullivan and the O'Sullivan family and how prominent they are in Boston and Dorchester. And um, he's a very good friend of mine. And he was a cop for 12 years. And, uh, you know, so I guess you could say I have a little bit of an understanding of what it's like to be a cop on the inside. And, uh, you know, for me, it's all about building bridges. And starting the program was about building a bridge between the community and law enforcement. And just another bridge. I think that there's other programs out there that try to support the same thing, but I wanted to do something in my way. And uh, the program has been well received. Um, the first year we had the police chief in Nashville show his support for the program. Um, Nashville still continues the program now. We have other teams that are interested in doing it. But with this pandemic, it's evolved. It's evolved to healthcare workers. You know, we want to expand that to teachers and really just people that are taking on leadership roles in their community to make a difference. And I think. Um, that's what you want to see for a program, you know, is to see it evolve and grow and see people take ownership of it. What do you hope the children that you're pairing up with these mentors, I guess, would probably yeah. be the best word, whether it's a teacher, a healthcare worker, a cop, anyone, what do you hope they're gaining from that experience, even though it's a very short experience? What do you hope the impact is? Well, you know, first of all, playing hockey and, and having the platform of the NHL and being on this platform every day, every game, has given me so many uh, different opportunities, whether it's in my business, whether it's my charity, um, exposure, all those different things. And I think that's the way I look at these programs, is that you know I wanna give people an opportunity to take ownership, ownership of it. 
and make it their own and use it as a vehicle to make a difference in any way that they, they want it. And um, for kids, these programs are going to give you the most opportunities that I could possibly give you. For police officers, for mentors, for healthcare workers, it gives them just one moment of, of having a light, you know, shine upon all the hard work that they're doing. So it's all about positivity and positive energy and building people up, bringing people together, building bridges in the community. Um, you know, that's, that's what makes me feel good. That's what allows me to get up every day and uh, feel confident. And even though I'm not privileged, I've had to work very hard for everything I have, uh, it makes me not feel as privileged when there's people out there that are suffering, people that don't have the things that I have every day. So um, as long as that continues and people continue to, to see the things that I'm doing in a good light, I'll continue to do them. How has it evolved in terms of the pandemic and you haven't been able to have guests here? You're yeah. doing it now through Zoom, through a computer screen. How has that challenged you to make those connections with these people and give them those moments? And, you know, you must be really happy that you're still able to do that despite not being face-to-face. -face. Well, I think it gives you an opportunity to also set an example that, you know, even for a lot of people out there that, you know, have the money to donate, have the time to really donate their time that don't, that, you know, give a bunch of excuses. Giving back isn't for everyone, but I think we all have to understand that there are less fortunate people out there so us not making the excuse of a pandemic and finding ways to bring people together and still continue to do the program, I think also sets an example and a tone for not only the rest of the league, but um, for people, people that follow the New Jersey Devils, people that watch TV, people that love sports. Um, I think that we're really setting the tone and the example that uh, you can give back. And even though that there's a world of excuses not to, you can find a way if you really want to. How has the Newark, the New Jersey community, um, how, like, what's unique about this and doing your Blue Line Buddies in this particular environment? Yeah, it's been great. You know, um, I, I know that, it, you know, last season was definitely a tough season. So, you know, the, the, the number one focus you always want to have is on the ice. And um, for me, that's always where my focus is. So you know, everything else kind of comes after that, but there are things that are bigger than the game. And I think that seeing the community and everybody embrace the program right from the start, I mean, I can't, I can't thank our owners, you know, David Blitzer, Josh Harris, everybody, Scott O'Neill, everyone in the front office, um, Pete, yourself, everyone, the coaching staff, um, you know, our GM, Ray, when he was here, uh, Fitzy now, they've all been in support of the program. and. I don't think people understand how huge that is. You know, it's it's very, very important to have that support from the people that you work for every day, um, regardless of what's going on the ice, to know that they support you in doing that stuff. So uh, I love it, and I'm very thankful for the community here in Newark and in New Jersey for the love that they give me. Uh, when I'm posting on social, all that stuff, uh, people are very, very uh, high gratitude for the program, so I'm very thankful for that. What do you hope the lasting impression is? Um, listen, I just want to come in and be myself. You know, you can only be yourself and uh, just try to, to do the best that you can, both on and off the ice. And that's one thing you get with me every day. Uh, regardless of the outcome of anything, I give everything that I have. And I try my best to be the best hockey player I can be and best teammate, the best son, best brother. I try to be that way every day. So. Uh, I'm just going to continue to do that, and hopefully the people here in Newark still love me. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm sure they. I'm sure they will. Um, who, you're a creative guy. Did you come up with the name Blue Line Buddies? Yeah, it was like because I was thinking about a name, and I first it was like Blue Line Bandits, and I'm like, well, they're not bandits, so that's like, how about like Blue Line Buddies? And I thought that was cool. And people think that Blue Line Buddies has to do with like law enforcement. It actually doesn't. It's just like the reason why I came up with Blue Line Buddies is because. I felt that if the program was to ever grow, you know, what brings us all together as the NHL is all the teams, we stand on the blue line for the national anthem every game. And really what this program is about is bringing everybody together. So it could be a way to unite all of us as a league. And really that's what the program is. It's not about me, it's about everybody else. And I think that's what's great about it. That's funny because, you know, if people thought it was about, like, blue line in terms of cops, I really just thought because you patrol the blue line. Well, and then there's also that tie-in, too, that I'm a defenseman and I'm a, I spend a lot of time patrolling the blue line. So I, I like that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your time here in New Jersey now. So um, how have, and really over your career, how have you changed since you entered the NHL? Um, I don't think I've really changed. I mean, like everybody else, you mature in ways, but like my approach to the game is still the same. I, I want to win every shift. I, I enjoy the game. I have a zest for life. I have fun. Um, I try to be a great teammate, support my teammates the way I can. I think that this year I've gotten a real enjoyment out of just the age difference between me and my teammates and how much I can actually provide. Like that's probably the biggest um, excitement for me every day coming to the rink is like how I can impact my teammates again today in a, in a, in a better way. And um, I know there are players, Scott Gomez, who played here for a long time, won Stanley Cups here, um, who did that for me, Hal Gill in my career, Andre Markov, you know, guys like that who have supported me through my career and, and gave me all the insight that I needed to continue to progress and mature. Um, I'm very thankful of, of that, and I try to provide that for my teammates. You've played now in three markets, so I want you to go back to your time in Montreal and your time in Nashville and maybe try and, you know, figure out what was the most important lesson you learned from playing in each of those markets that you're bringing here. Um, I think that the most important lesson that I learned is you know, take care of what you can control. You know, focus on what you can control. You know, for a big chunk of my career, I haven't been able to control my destiny of where I can end up, where I get traded to. It's, that's kind of the part of the business. So you have to change your mindset from like, I'm just gonna be in the moment. And that's the best mindset you can have because in life, you should always just be in the moment. You should never be anywhere else. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people throughout my career would always talk about, trades and you should be here and you should go there and you should do this and it's like what about where I'm at you know and uh, I think that that's been my focus I love playing here in New Jersey I really do I love my teammates I like playing for Lindy it's a great organization the owners are great um, living in New Jersey has been a ton of fun and I really enjoy it so I, I really kind of embraced it it took me a while to adjust but it's been great and just like my time in Montreal was awesome Six years I played there were phenomenal. My time in Nashville, I mean, how could I ask for any more? You know, winning team, President's Trophy, Stanley Cup Final, uh, a great experience in Nashville. Nashville's a great city. So, you know, every chapter has its ups and its downs, but uh, I'm excited for what's to come in the future. 
talk to me a little bit about your mentors on the ice that you talked about and what lessons you learned from them that you think is important and valuable for you to pass on to, especially like a young blue liner like some like Ty Smith. Yeah, I think it's just managing the highs and lows, not getting too high and too low. I think that's... But that's a cliche, right? So what does that mean? It is a cliche, and and explaining that, I think it's the NHL is a league that'll humble you very, very quickly, just like any other pro pro sports league. You're playing with the world's best players, and you you can't get too high and too low. And what has helped me throughout my career is enjoying the highs but also enjoying the lows too, because it builds character, it builds teams, it it builds credibility in this league, going through adversity and coming out of it. And, you know, I always remember when I got traded from Montreal, a lot of people wanted to see how I was gonna deal with that because I was a young player who was well embraced in a city. How is he gonna deal with not being in Montreal where it's a hockey hotbed all the time? And everyone's like, you're going to Nashville where you know, it's the, you're not going to have the crowd to feed off of. And I mean, I don't know if you saw Nashville. Yeah, the play, There is a crowd. I, I mean, it's one of the loudest buildings I've ever played in. Um, but, you know, I was tested that way. And, you know, I, I think I just focused on testing myself. So for a lot of these young players, it's embrace the things that come at you, but don't get too high and don't get too low. You know, Ty Smith, a guy, and, and Husey, who I'm very close with, but I love working with Ty every day because... I see a lot of, uh, you know, me when I was 20 or 21 in the league in his game and the way he plays and um, controlling that emotion. He wants to be perfect every shift and, um, you know, just controlling those highs and lows. And I've tried to, uh, you know, really coach him with that. And, and he's been great. He, he wants to soak it all up, soak up all the information he can. And he's going to be a great player in the league. Is that something that Andre Markov taught you? Because he is, you know, he's definitely a lot quieter than you are. But Definitely, but over time, you know, um, I earned a lot of his respect by my wanting, by me wanting to learn yeah. and searching for that. It's the same thing with Ty. Like, you know, he wants to learn. He's always hanging around. He's always asking me questions after games. He wants to know how he can get ready on a back-to-back. All of those things, it's... It's really important because whether it's me or it's somebody else, him wanting to learn and asking questions is what the difference between being a good player in this league, a great player, and potentially a Hall of Famer. And he just continues to want to get better. So, you know, it's the same way I was when I was playing under a guy like Andre Markov. I mean, my number was 76 because my dad said, you flip the six upside down, it's 79 like Marky. So, you know, the respect that I had for Andre uh, was immense coming into the league and to learn from him, play with him, and have the success that I had with him. I actually just spoke to him a few days ago, um, and we were talking about that and how much I miss playing with him and, and seeing him every day at the rink. So, well, he he was a fun guy to be yeah, very quiet. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably the best word. But is it weird to you, in a sense, that you're you're the guy, like you are the old man? On no offense, but like yeah. I'm older than you, so I can say that. But you're the old man on the team, so people like Ty are going to come to you. What does that mean to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, in a few weeks here, I'll be 32. Um, you know, and yeah, in almost just short of a month, I'll be 32. And uh, I wake up every day. I feel like I'm 23, though. <laughs> like I feel young. I. I don't, I'm still older than Ty. Yeah, it's much older than him. And, you know, it's sometimes I have to stop and, like, realize that I'm, like, nine, ten years 
older than some of these guys. And um, time in this league, it flies by. It goes by fast. But it's been a fun ride. I look forward to it. And hopefully I can play another seven, eight years in this league <laughs> and uh, enjoy it some more. What was trade deadline like in the sense that you had two guys who really are been a fabric of this team, especially when you look at uh, someone like Travis, they leave. What type of responsibility do you feel to take over in a sense that mentorship, I mean, we've talked a lot about it, but those are two real staples in the locker room gone. What was that like? Yeah, and you, you, you can't replace guys like Trav and Palms. You know, um, first of all, Trav is like, you know, Trav's the best. He's just, you know, first of all, we have the same birthday, so me, Trav and I have the same birthday, so that says it all. Um, no, he's so similar too in personality. <laughs> and we live like we live like two streets away from each other, and I just have such a soft spot for him because I see him with his family and becoming a pro, and he's been a great guy to learn from too over the past two years. Just watching how he carries himself, and you know, within the team and with the young guys, and I've learned that's been huge for me. Um, to be able to have that example. You know, in Nashville, we were all kind of around the same age. There was a few older guys the first year that I was there, but it was different. So now being on a team where you have a veteran player that's been in this organization his whole career, that's been through it, easy guy to learn from. So, you know, I'm going to miss Trav, but we're still in touch, and I learned a lot from him, and Palms is great. Palms is a true professional, comes to work every day, does it. So, we, you know, we can't replace those two guys, but... I think that Woody and I have, have been two, two guys that have had a close relationship, and Sevi and Nico, obviously, as a part of the leadership group, we're taking that upon ourselves to want to make a difference and to do the best that we can for the rest of the season here to, to push our team to be the best that we can be. Last year was a tough one. There were a lot of changes for everybody involved, but Lindy comes in this year. Um, the results aren't necessarily there in terms of the wins and losses, but what do you appreciate about his coaching philosophy and what do you appreciate about the type of coach that he is? Yeah, I appreciate his accountability and, you know, he wants to get the best out of all of his players. And, you know, the one thing that I, I like about him are the basics when it comes to the game of what he emphasizes and that's competing, um, paying attention to the details and just work ethic. You know, like, I, you know, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, like, you, you know, it, it doesn't take experience to learn how hard you need to work. You should always be working hard. You should always be competing. And I think that putting the emphasis on that has made the games more exciting for a young team. It has made them more fun. Every game we come out, we know we have a chance to win a hockey game. That's because of our compete level and our work ethic. You know, most of the teams that we play are much more experienced than us, have, you know, have guys that have been around a long time that have won in the league. So, you know, think about what we learned playing against a team like Washington this year. You know, we were pretty much in every game. That's a big deal for a young team. So I think that as a team, he's been great in terms of implementing the fact that if you want to be a team that can win consistently every night, these are the things that you got to bring. And, you know, the X's and O's you can always learn. Yeah. I think that we're still learning that. But the compete, uh, as a player, uh, I can see the difference with our team and, and how he's been able to get us to compete hard every night. My last one for you is about everything you do away from the rink. You know, you've got your social following. You've got a production company. You have so much going on. How do you manage all that? you got to have a good team. <laughs> 
your other really team, right? Team. Your other yeah. team. <laughs> I have a really good personal team, and uh, you know the majority of my team is women. So you know they. Uh, we know what we're doing. You know they know what they're doing. <laughs> my whole fa my foundation team is pretty much all women as well, um, and they do a fantastic job for me. Um, you know they allow me to just prepare for hockey, like. You know, on days like today, it's a treatment day, it's acupuncture, it's massage, it's Epsom salt bath, it's doing everything I need to do to get prepared for a game tomorrow. And, you know, every now and then it's a phone call to jump on, to give the okay, the green light, to update, to do all those things. So they make it very easy for me, um, you know, and it's that's my life. You know, some people after the rink uh, go back home and play video games and you know, and do different things for me. I'm on business calls and I'm taking meetings and I'm building up my production company. I'm doing work for my foundation. That's my life. So that's how I use my time. Having, you know, followed you your whole career and watched it, your, you know, off-ice career also evolve, um, there's, there's been negativity sometimes, right? I'm sure, like, you know, oh, he should be concentrating only on hockey. And clearly you're establishing here that you do because you have a team behind you. But those things do come up. Do you ever feel misunderstood? Um, yeah, but there's a lot of people that are misunderstood. I mean, you could almost say that everybody's misunderstood if you read the media. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you read and listen to the media, how many people that write things actually know the people that they're talking about? Yeah. Like, so, you know, for me, I don't, I don't pay attention to that. I, you know, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm happy with the person that I see. Um, you know, I, I, I continue to try to be better at my job every day, the ways that I can be. Um, but I, I obviously don't focus on trying to please everyone. You can't please everyone in this world. And, uh, you know, I think that also there's culture too. The culture in sports is usually to see athletes just focus on what they're doing on the ice, and that's fine, but, like, we have a life, too. There's 24 hours in a day, you know? Um, everybody wants to hold us accountable to the, how we use our time, but we don't get to hold anybody accountable to what they do with their time. So I think that it's, uh, it's important to know yourself. Um, it's important to be accountable to your responsibilities. Uh, you know, as a player that's a veteran player on a team that's highly paid, like, are you doing the things that the organization's asking you to do to be accountable to what we're paying you to do? And I do those things. So, you know, um, as long as I continue to do that stuff, I'll be fine. And as long as I continue to have my team, I'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks, VK. Thank you, man. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. I think we heard from two honest people here uh, today. Uh, P.K. Subban tells it like it is, and he doesn't really care if you like to hear it. He's going to tell you what he believes the truth to be, Amanda. And Tom Fitzgerald is as uh, clear as the day is long. They absolutely, they're both similar in that fashion. And I really, you know, I ended with P.K. asking him if he felt misunderstood because I don't know if he gets that question a lot because 
there is a lot of chatter that goes on when it comes to everything that he does away from the ice. And, you know, naturally he says he doesn't listen to it or he doesn't like check in on those things, but you still end up hearing it. And so I really appreciated how he answered that question and just the insight that he, he gave there. And yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> Bitsy, he's also a guy, he'll just call it like he is, like it is. And, you know, he, he knows that the, the, the decisions are his, he will live and by, die by them. Um, but that's why he puts in the work. And honestly, like as someone who's spent a lot of time around both of these guys, they both work really hard at what they do and put a lot of thought. And one thing I really have always enjoyed about PK is that when you look at the NHL, naturally hockey has always been one of those traditional buttoned up, you know, tie all the way up to the net kind of sports and personality of these star players has always kind of not been there. And uh, I think PK has been, you've mentioned he's one of the older guys now, but he's been kind of that bridge to a new age of some young players coming in with some personality. And I, for one, like to see that. It's something as little as Jack Hughes with his uh, mattress deal, posting a picture of himself face down. I mean, tell me 10 years ago, hockey players were going to yeah. be doing something like that. So a good, a little bit more personality. I like to see that from PK. I think it's natural and great interview, Amanda. Thank you. And that'll wrap things up on this edition of Speak of the Devils presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. For Amanda Stein and for Chris Westcott, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks so much for your company. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone.